covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. It is great to have you with us. First off, uh, appreciation for you for uh, dealing with us this week. As you know, if you are a uh, listener to this podcast, we generally have a drop late Sunday, early Monday morning between uh, dealing with a holiday weekend and also uh, my travels. If you don't know, I uh, serve as the play-by-play voice of Green Bay women's basketball. And generally, in the Horizon League, you play games on Thursday and Saturday. Well, this past week, they were on the road in the Detroit area Friday and Sunday. That made things a little bit challenging for me as well, uh, getting back. So we had to push things back a week. I don't like doing that. I like being very consistent with this podcast and always coming out on Sunday night. But sometimes uh, we, I, I believe this is only the second time in all of the podcasts that we have ever come out on a day other than late Sunday, early Monday morning. I could be wrong on that, but I only remember uh, one other one. One other one was connected to the trade deadline or, or something where we wanted to wait on something to uh, be able to do the podcast. And by the way, this episode number 99 of the podcast next week is going to be episode number 100, which is uh, pretty darn cool. So all that being said, thank you for being tuned in, and thank you for waiting an extra 24 hours, and uh, we hope not to make you do that very often in the future. We've got a fun podcast coming up this week. Uh, One of my favorite people to talk to, Brad Ford, is uh, going to join us from uh, Brew Crew Ball. we got a lot of things to get into uh, with him, so that's going to be coming up in uh, just a bit. We'll have our headlines in a moment. For me, this is kind of a big week. You know, a a lot is made when the calendar turns to January because then you can say, hey, next month there's going to be games that matter, and that absolutely is true. But we're at the point now where literally spring training is right around the corner. The Brewers' first spring training workout for pitchers and catchers, February 14th. First full squad workout is going to take place on February 19th. So this is kind of the moment where you can start looking at the roster and maybe seeing how it projects out. Now that doesn't mean there aren't going to be more moves to be made. Clearly there are. Top free agents have yet to even sign between uh, Bryce Harper and, and Manny Machado. And not that those guys are going to sign with the Brewers, but I use that just to illustrate the point that while we're a month or so out, uh, where there, there's, a lo- there's a lot of things that can happen. There's a lot of free agents that are out there. But we're not smack dab in the middle of the offseason anymore. At this point, as we start to approach spring training and the Brewers, I, I kind of mark the week of Brewers on deck because once the on-deck event takes place, man, it just feels like everything is moving really quick. And the next thing you know, they're reporting to Arizona. And the next thing you know, it's uh, it's opening day. And it feels like everything moves really, 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 really fast. And uh, this year with the extended postseason run, it was a much shorter offseason, which clearly is a good thing. But uh, we're, we're getting there. We are just about uh, – we're, we're moving very quickly towards the season. I continue to have – questions really kind of on three areas on this team and it's things that we've talked about a lot in fact brad ford and i will talk about this in our conversation coming up for this next month month and a half you know guys will still get signed after spring training gets underway i think what i'm most interested to see what the brewers do is how they handle second base and the options 
at second base are no longer what they had been previously. Doesn't mean that they aren't going to be able to go get a quality player to play at second base. It doesn't even mean for sure they're going to go get somebody. Maybe they're comfortable with what they have prior to the arrival of Castanera. But I'm curious what's going to happen at second base. I am curious what's going to happen uh, in the outfielders, in the outfield, especially with that number four outfield spot where I, I, that's a key spot for this team. You can expect Ryan Braun to miss a fair amount of games. Uh, Lorenzo Cain is someone who, even though he was very healthy last year with the Brewers, there are some injury issues in his past. You know, a fourth outfielder with the Brewers is going to get a ton of time, and they have been Gamble. I don't know if that's the guy to be that quote-unquote fourth outfielder, so I'll be curious what happens there. And I'll be curious what happens uh, in terms of starting pitching. I still think they sign uh, another starting pitcher or two, probably a single one, about another starting pitcher before uh, getting into the uh, the regular season. So those are kind of the uh, th- that checklist of things that I'm curious about what's going to happen and the Brewers tend to make moves leading into Brewers on deck. We'll see whether or not that happens this year. Now, the on-deck event is completely sold out. I'm not saying that they've ever done that in the past to try to drive tickets, but it does seem like on-deck week is a week where things happen if there ever has been any uh, ticket purchasing motivation with that stuff. Uh, that doesn't really exist as much this year because that event is uh, sold out. But it's going uh, to be a fun next month, month and a half as we continue to get closer and closer to opening day. Again, Brad Ford's going to join us in in uh, just a few moments, but right now, let's get to this week's Headlines of the Week. It doesn't matter if it's right in the middle of the summer or winter. There's always news about the Brewers. Let's look back at the week that was with Matt's Headlines of the Week. Mention on deck, the Brewers officially announcing uh, the events that are going to be taking place. A lot of guys are going to be available for autographs, just about uh, everybody. Some you have to pay for. Some are going to be in the free autograph area. You can check out all the details at Brewers.com. Again, this is already a sold-out event, so if you don't have tickets, you're going to be a little bit out of luck. do want to remind you, though, as uh, we do tend to do uh, at WTMJ, we always have the on-deck event that uh, or the on-deck show that takes place uh, during the course of uh, Brewers on Deck, and uh, I'll once again be uh, part of that along with uh, Greg Matzik. We're going to have uh, Homer and Gabe from uh, 94.5 ESPN that's going to be uh, part of it as well. And uh, we're going to be going from 12 o'clock to 4.30 on WTMJ. So if you want to kind of experience the event through the radio, if you can't make it in, again, uh, we'll be going from uh, 12 to 4.30. Going to have a lot of folks on, players, executives, uh, just pretty much anybody that you can think of uh, generally joins us at some point over the course of that program. So that's always always one of my favorite things to do uh, each and every year. Uh, the non-roster invitations for spring training have been uh, sent, and the Brewers inviting nine minor league players, so a total of uh, 14 invitees to Major League uh, spring training as far as players who are not on the 40-man roster. Uh, the list of uh, non-roster prospects that are going to be taking part, at least at the beginning of Major League Spring Training, Keston here is the big one, so he's going to get uh, an opportunity to take part in Big League Spring Training. That's a really good opportunity for him. Uh, third baseman Lucas Ersig, catcher Peyton Henry, 
Infielder Nate Orff, outfielder Corey Ray, and then pitchers uh, Zach Brown, Bubba Derby, John Olchek, and Mike Miguel Sanchez are all set to uh, take part in Major League Spring training as well. And then this is kind of a fun one. This past week, Eric Thames popped up in an area that you uh, you might not expect him to pop up. If you are familiar with the television show The Masked Singer in the United States, which I watch and I enjoy, uh, there is a Korean version called King of Mask Singer, and Eric Thames, who continues to be huge, uh, from his time playing in the KBO, he was one of the masked singers. If you haven't seen the video, you can find it online. But uh, pretty darn cool that he would end up being one of the people that ends up on that list. Those are this week's Headlines of the Week. After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. Brewers x the podcast is powered by WTMJ Mobile. It is time for a social media conversation as we welcome in one of our uh, routine guests. He's on all the time. A lot of times uh, during the season and right at the end of the season, we uh, talk a lot of prospect and minor leagues, but we also like to uh, get his take on uh, the big leagues, and we'll talk about the offseason, and we might touch on some prospect stuff before all is said and done. Uh, we bring in a guy who writes over at, uh, at Brew Crew Ball. He is on Twitter at Brew Crew Blue. His name's Brad Ford. Brad, always great to talk to you. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing very good, Matt. Thanks for uh, bringing me in. You know, I'm getting the baseball itch, so this helps feed it as we get closer and closer to uh, spring training. We are days away from Brewers on deck, and the Brewers tend to make a move leading into on deck. Do you have any prediction that something's going to happen? We're talking it is 7.55 p.m. as we are speaking on Monday, January 21st. So we're you know, T-minus what, like five and a half days till uh, Brewers on deck. Do you think there's going to be anything that could be considered somewhat major between now and on deck? Uh, that's a good one. Um... Who are the second baseman haven't signed? Uh, Brewers sign Estrubal Cabrera to a one-year deal. We'll go with that. Is that the second baseman that does something for you right now? Uh, of the options that are left, uh, there's definitely ones who play better off or defense. But uh, I feel like Estrubal would be the one where you can kind of defend him by doing uh, pretty aggressive shifts and limit some of his poor defense he displayed last year. But he has enough offense to really give the bottom of the order a little bit of a boost. Um, And I think in terms of people where you're looking to just hold that spot until Keston Hero gets up, I think he fits that perfectly. I think that we've seen... I would be shocked if a deal was given that was more than a a one-year deal, especially for a guy who's mainly a second baseman. If you go get somebody who can play a whole bunch of positions, maybe they eke out a two-year deal. But just the way this market has gone, to me it really seems like the Brewers have been waiting out the market till it gets to a point where these guys are willing on a one-year deal. But the guys that were available three weeks ago, a lot of them aren't available now, and and you uh, you, you do look at... 
where it's going to go and do you do you all of a sudden revisit somebody like a Neil Walker all of a sudden do you revisit bringing Mike Moustakis back and and having Travis Shaw over at second base would Moustakis even be willing to come in on a one-year deal do you find one of those other guys it's just I feel like the second base market has changed a little bit over the last few weeks yeah I mean the other thing there aren't the impact players that have been on there. Uh, Murphy signed a little bit early uh, compared to the rest of the market, but almost all at one time you had Dozier, LeMahieu, and Lowry, um, which I know were a few of the free agents a lot of people were eyeing come off the board. So now you're really left with um, the players who maybe aren't as tantalizing as the options I just went through, but also the teams with their huge second base needs filled them all so now these players are looking for a place to play they were looking for a place where they can regularly play and yeah they might not be the best crop is play getting a josh harrison as good as getting a dj lemayhu or hoping a brian dozier can come back and have a fantastic year no it's not nearly as exciting but uh harrison would be someone who fit that where they could sign him for a year, maybe add an option onto there, and you have a strong utility player who, if Corey Spangenberg uh, wasn't able to uh, work out too well, then you have that guaranteed strong utility, good defender in multiple positions player in Josh Harrison that when Keston Hira hits his way into the lineup, which I feel is an inevitability in 2019, um, you just can make that decision then and make the tough decisions happen uh, with a little bit more ease. Um, but yeah, it definitely isn't as tantalizing. Those the guys who you're thinking about and drooling about, and you're like, oh, maybe they can be a five or six hole hitter. They're off the board. Now we're looking at your lower end second baseman. They're either great defensively or good offensive, or the, either good offensively or great defensively. Uh, you're not really getting a whole lot of both. And I mean, but this is also what the Brewers had to deal with when they have a top tier second base prospect in the waiting. It also seems like I remember last year as spring training is getting underway or as it's about to get underway and, you know, Alex Cobb and Lance Lynn and guys like those were still available. And we're sitting there going, well, they got, they got to sign one of these guys. And they didn't. And we, whether it's we in the media or we as fans, whatever the we we want to include here, we not being people that are inside the walls of Miller Park, we put these assumptions that David Stearns is absolutely going to um, – is going to you know go out and, and do something, and maybe they're very comfortable. Maybe they're they're fine with a, a Spangenberg and Hernan Perez and guys like that being able to handle second base uh, until the Super Two date passes by, and they're confident that Keston here is going to rock AAA right away. And you know what? If they don't, something that we've learned: there's always second baseman available on the market. It's not like they're got, not going to be able to find somebody if need be. So are we? Are we putting assumptions on to what the Brewers are going to do that may or may not actually happen? You know, if any spot that the Brewers could make a move on was going to fit that role of starting pitcher last year, I would definitely say it's second. Um, I think it's likely that they add a starting pitcher um, before the start of the year. Uh, maybe not a splash guy, maybe someone on a minor league contract with a big league invite. Maybe they have a couple signings, kind of like they did Gallardo and Miley in what felt like tandem last year. Um, 
But yeah, second base could be the one where I see them not addressing. As much as I, anyone who follows me on Twitter knows I rag on Hernan Perez all the time. Um, but he's a solid defender. Uh, he has some offensive qualities that are beneficial at second base. Um, and if you're comfortable with him playing on a regular basis for a month or two, until Hira can come up, and even if you want to forego Super 2, you let Hira have another year of arbitration, but you let Hira play enough until he looks okay at AAA, even if it's just for a taste, and uh, passes the time period where he doesn't accumulate too many days and will get more than a full year of Major League service time uh, when he comes up and plays. If you let all that go by and you're okay with Hernan Perez filling the time in that void... I don't think that's the worst thing in the world if him and Spanschenberg split that spot. Um, so maybe they're really happy with what they have and they don't actually care. And I wouldn't be shocked for a second. Um, even if Hira doesn't hit, I think with what Dubon put on before a surgery, yeah. I think it's dangerous to have high expectations of anyone coming off ACL surgery. But I mean, with what he was able to show, if he looks good in spring training, you have two solid young second base options that can come and give the offense a potential boost. Uh, you imagine they'll be playing in the seventh or eighth spot um, when they come up, so they wouldn't really be too much of a hindrance as they get a hang on things. Both of them play. Uh, I mean, Dubine has the potential to play exceptional second base defense. Hira can play average second base defense. Um, maybe given your four options that are already in the system, that's not actually a concern. And you have Tyler Saladino. He looked good in limited time when he was asked to fill in um, as a starter. Maybe they d don't view Cabrera or Harrison as legitimate uh, enhancements over what they already have, and there's no reason to pay the money to do that. Uh, what we've learned about David Stearns, I feel like it's really hard to guess what David Stearns is going to do, but the one thing I feel very comfortable in stating is that he will pay his price. And if you want to go a cent over the price he's decided he's going to pay, he's not doing it. And that's yep. something, Matt, you and I have talked about before. He's very stern in that, whether it's trade negotiations or salary. He knows what he wants to pay. He's going to do it. Stern, no pun intended. <laughs> yeah, no pun intended. <laughs> Sorry, had to, uh, had to call you out on that one. Uh, but you're right. I didn't even notice it. It slept under. <laughs> it just was swept under my subconscious as I tried never to make puns. But you're you're absolutely right in in what you're saying. I think I think he's smart enough. He's a very very good general manager. I hope in no way, shape, or form is what I'm about to say going to be taken in a way that I'm I'm criticizing him because I'm not. I think it's especially when you're in a market the size of Milwaukee, you have to be disciplined. I think he's very good at reading the market where if there is a situation where he needs to stretch that preconceived value just a little bit I think maybe he's a little bit more willing to do that now than he was before he probably did that uh, when you look at all the trades they made last year and you know just the way the farm system has really been depleted from the from the day of the Christian Yelich trade last year to where we're at right now while they haven't lost uh, post Christian Yelich trade, uh, they didn't lose a bunch of high end, you know, prospects. They lost them in the Yelich trade, but not so much uh, since then. I, I I don't know if he makes those trades previously. So it's been fun to kind of watch the evolution because I agree with what you're saying that he has a value and he sticks to it. But we've also seen him be very willing to make moves over the course of the last year. 
Right, and I think he's willing to make moves when the depth allows. Um, so if you have the space, um, you know, where he traded from with the Christian Yelich trade were areas of strength for the system. Um, once you got Christian Yelich and Lorenzo Cain was incoming, Lewis Brinson didn't have a uh, home um, and was ready to be on the field regularly. Monte Harrison uh, sure didn't look like he had a home, given that there were better offensive or outfielders within the prospect or within the farm system. Sorry, Isan um, Diaz uh, was a little bit of an area of need, but also you have Dubon here uh, um, filling that middle infielder type position, and. Then you have Jordan Yamamoto, where you actually have quite the plethora at the time of the Yelich trade of solid right-hand pitchers in the farm. Now with Corbin Burns coming up, with uh, Brandon Woodruff coming up, with the trades of Luis Ortiz, with uh, getting rid of Brett Phillips, etc., a lot of that depth is now gone. So he doesn't necessarily have the depth to trade from. And also now the roster is in a point where, uh, according to them, it's fiscally packed. He doesn't have the room that he had when he signed, went out and got Kane because they had just lost contracts like Matt Garza's. Um, so I'm not sure if he has the depth or ability to go out and make those moves. I think at the deadline, you can still see him maybe trade like a Corey Ray. Uh, to get someone who can maybe make a difference. Um, a Zach Brown. Um, a few of those prospects where they do have a little bit more depth at the major league level um, and trading these guys who have high potential and are ready to play now or who are about to be ready to play can actually get a decent return. Um, but at the deadline, I feel like those moves are easier to make where people feel pressured to get out and trade guys when they know they either need to enter a rebuild or at least get some value before the person they're trying to trade before they leave. Um, so I feel like that's the difficulty with the situation we're looking in now is that we don't have that flexibility. And until the market pushes in a little bit more, and depending on how a lot of these free agents feel, um, there's not going to be that pressure on them to come in and give in to Stearns and what he wants for what he wants to pay. I always kind of view the on-deck event as the unofficial start to, okay, it's baseball time. I mean, that next month, in the month of February, there are going to be games that are being played. So in terms of this podcast, I, I, I kind of shift the focus a little bit to there being a little bit more, I don't know, uh, urgency in maybe some moves that need to be made or looking at the roster and starting to view the roster as it is right now and projecting how that would play in a regular season game. And I obviously understand that there's still a ton of time left. The guys get signed in spring training. I'm not trying to be you know over dramatic here. But when I look at this roster, clearly second base, I think you're right on when you talk about them probably needing to bring in another starting pitcher. I'm not real comfortable with uh, with Ben Gamble being the fourth outfielder. I, I I'd like to see some some more competition there. And with Domingo Santana and Keon Broxton not in the organization anymore, I'd 
I, I'd love for another outfielder to come in, especially in a situation where with the Brewers, because Braun plays so little, and, and even a Lorenzo Kane is somebody who's going to, uh, he's a little bit older, and, and yeah, he played a ton of games this past year, but you never know when he might get a little bit banged up or if you need to give him a rest. I feel like the Brewers have an opportunity to give that quote-unquote fourth outfielder uh, more at-bats than a whole lot of other teams would be able to do. So that's kind of... Those are the three areas that I still kind of view as question marks. Second base, probably still a starting pitcher, and potentially another outfielder. Uh, of those three, I guess, A, would you agree with what I just said? But B, where do you rank maybe the the importance of dealing with those things prior to spring training? Um, I would say starting pitching is the most important to deal with. And then I would actually put second base ahead and then fourth outfielder. Um, however, I don't think you're wrong in your statements. Um, the reason being <clears throat> that I rank them, how I rank them is I think it's very beneficial for a starting pitcher to be working with a team for as long as possible to get familiar with the catching staff for the Brewers organization to maybe make the tweaks they're looking to make and get that, uh, those improvements rolling. Uh, and then I, the only reason I would put, a second baseman above a outfielder is because of the they would have more day, potential for day-to-day impact, um, assuming that an injury wouldn't be longer than a week to two weeks that would cause the fourth outfielder to regularly play. Um, I do agree with you that they're, if you're looking at the injury history that the outfield has, Lorenzo Cain has some injury history. He's looked pretty good in terms of stay, being able to stay healthy the last two to three years, but he does have some blips on the radar that indicate he could miss 30 games in a season um, or 30 games in a stint. Uh, we know that there's the potential where Ryan Braun is going to miss or go on probably two DL stints this season. Um, that's just, I think should be a Brewers fan expectation. Um, we have been joking that it would it be shocking if, David Stearns went out and got a guy like A.J. Pollock. That's my guy. You know, that's form- the guy I want them to get. Absolutely, 100%, without a doubt, that's the guy I want them to go get. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> um, but that's, I mean, like, they could get A.J. Pollock on a one-year deal. A.J. Pollock's biggest problem has been showing that he can stay healthy for a full season. He looked good last year when he was healthy. But, um, oh, dear, what's my computer doing? It's being weird. Okay, apologize for that. Uh, but he only played 113 games last season. When he's healthy, he's looked like an MVP candidate. And in those 113 games that he played in 2018, he had the 112 he did in 2017. He still has a five war between those. If you're looking to do something like what the Brewers are planning with Santana last year, where you really integrate a day off system and you guys are still getting four to five games a week, regardless of the role they're playing. I think AJ Pollock is a good look. Um, You can keep him healthy by making sure he doesn't play often. You can uh, rely on his defensive versatility. He has one heck of a swing that uh, produces regularly. Yeah. His numbers were down a little bit, but he's still putting up the power numbers um, and solid defensive numbers. Um, And then I think there is a decent amount of risk that Jesus Aguilar isn't the player he was last year. If he isn't, 
which I hope he is because I really like Jesus Aguilar and I want things to work out for him. But in the, we have seen many a time where a brewer or player in baseball in general has one fantastic season and never reaches that success again. So if Jesus Aguilar were to deal with something like that, you could play Ryan Braun at first and then have Pollock, Kane, and Yelich in the outfield. And you would have a fantastic outfield. Um, so I don't think that's the worst idea. Uh, realistic? Maybe not. But out of like the crazy things I could see Stearns doing that none of us see coming, it's one of them. Especially with the... way he likes to take advantage of when things favor him, even if it's not a need. Did he need to make the scope trade? Whether you think it was a bad idea or a good idea. He didn't need to make that scope trade because he had just gotten uh, Mike Moustakas and had theoretically resolved the second base issue by being able to play Shaw at second and Moustakas at third. But he went out and got scope because the value was something he liked. So I don't think that's going to stop him from going out and signing someone like an A.J. Pollock. Um, so that would be an area where I could see a, a shocking um, move being made is in the outfield to make sure they still had offensive viability should one of the or an injury happen to one of their stars or just because, hey, what's the problem with having another great bat on the bench? You mentioned Jesus Aguilar and... I don't know what's going to happen with him. I'm hopeful that, you know, after going through his first full season being pretty much an everyday guy, that that's going to propel him to being prepared to do that again next season and maybe there's going to be some more consistency from start to finish. But as you alluded to, it could just as easily be a situation where he struggles. And you look at his pre- and post-All-Star splits from last year as far as the baseball card numbers, pre-All-Star, 298, 24 home runs, 70 RBIs with an OPS at uh, 995, Post-All-Star, 245 average, 11 home runs, 38 RBIs. His OPS is at 760. So it's, it is it is a clear difference between what he does in the first half and the second half. I'm not even going to ask you a question like, do you th- what do you think is going to happen next year? Because nobody really knows what's going to happen. We can try to take a guess, but nobody knows what's going to happen. But I think maybe the more interesting thing is when the season got done last year, Eric Thames was kind of on that in that proverbial list of guys that we thought uh, they might move. I think Chase Anderson was on that list as well. Those guys are both around. Do you think Eric Thames is partially still around because the organization does want to see what happens with a Jesus Aguilar following his uh, post-All-Star numbers from last year? Um, I think Eric Thames is around because they want to get paid right for him. He doesn't cost a lot. And he still has offense potential. He dealt off and on with an injury last year. um, And if he's producing what he was the year prior in 2017, if he produces to that level um, off the bench as a semi-regular, I mean, maybe Aguilar needs to be a platoon player next year to have the type of success he had in 2018. Um, Aguilar, and Thames can split that pretty well. And then also, I think it's nice to have Thames as a strong left-handed power bat coming out of right field. I don't like when he plays right field, but I think in terms of his role on the offense, that it's uh, beneficial and a nice thing to have. I think the Brewers would also be happy to trade him. 
I don't think they're holding on to him for one specific reason, aside from they see a guy who is affordable, who can produce at an above average, an above pathetic level. No, that's mean. Uh, but like in a war level, he's above replacement. Um, so they see a guy who has value in terms of offense, okay defender, uh, especially better if he can play first base every day and cost nothing. And they want to get compensated correctly for that. Other teams look and they see you have an all-star at first base and you have nowhere to play this guy. Um, we want to get a deal. And that's just not the game the Brewers want to play. They want to be appropriately compensated for the pieces they have. And I think what's holding it up is they haven't gotten that deal. Another thing is first basemen don't generally drive much demand. And if teams don't need a first baseman, they're not paying the price that the Brewers want. And I think that's really those factors are what it comes down to more so than protecting yourself. Should Aguilar have problems because worst comes to worst, you have a, a few situations I think can resolve that, whether it's playing like Dubon at third base and moving Thames over to first and trying something like that. Yes, it's equally risky, but you have options where you can switch things up and try to get some of that value back. This is the most important question I'm going to ask you in this entire conversation. What do you take more joy from? Eric Thames' home run song, which we're obviously very familiar with, or Eric Thames' appearance on the Korean version of The Masked Singer? 100% without a doubt, the home run song. Hmm. And I thought the mask appearance was funny. I thought it was great that he is still a great reminder that he is a superstar in Korea. Um, but I, he just didn't perform any songs I was that into. Um, the bicep move with the women hanging on his arms, I did think that is impressive because I view Eric. I look at Eric Thames and think, you can bench a bus. Of course you can hold two 90-pound women on your arms. Like... Oh, that, that didn't shock me. Um, however, the personal joy I get out of the Eric Thames home run song is so great that it's pretty hard to top. Um, and I get it every time I listen to it. I'm going to find the mask appearance less entertaining, the mask singer appearance less entertaining each time I go back and watch it. All right. So, by the way, so real quick, uh, if if anybody's listening to this that watches the American version of The Masked Singer, like press the plus 30 button two or three times here because there's going to be some spoilers. Uh, I, I think it's interesting to kind of compare Eric Thames's stardom based off his appearance on that show to maybe individuals who have been on... I watched The Masked Singer. I don't know. Do you watch it? Uh, am I going to give anything away to you, Brad? I, I only watch the highlights. I will not be upset if you spoil anything. Okay, so the three. Again, if you haven't watched it yet, if it's sitting on your DVR, if you're going to watch it on Hulu and you don't know, just like really... Uh, I would say press the plus 34 times just to be real clear. And I don't want you to miss stuff, but I, I would hate to do that because my wife and I really enjoy the show. Uh, it's been... Antonio Brown, Steelers wide receiver. It's been Tommy Chong, and then it's been Terry Bradshaw. I, uh, Antonio Brown may be the least of the three. Not that those guys are like superstar celebrities, but 
my wife's not a football fan. She knows who uh, Terry Bradshaw is. Like these are, and these are the people that stink. These are the first three that are gone. I think there's going to be some fairly bigger names that are going to come out on this show. That's interesting. That uh, yeah, if it's if it's an apples to apples comparison, Eric Thames is the is the Terry Bradshaw uh, over there. It's it's it, we knew how popular he was, but that really is pretty incredible that he ends up on that show. Yes, um, I think the constant reminder of his fame. I mean, he's a superstar over there, and people love him. That's the reason he had his own home run song. Um, yeah, it. I think it's fantastic in that regard, yes, uh, that it just proves his superstardom. Do you think anybody did not take my advice? Do you think I'm in trouble right now that I, I gave something away to people who didn't You gave two warnings. No, no one gets to hold that above you. Okay, I really you tried. two warnings. I am someone who gets infuriated when people spoil things for me. But as someone who gets infuriated when people spoil things for me, you gave way too much warning for anyone to be upset right now. If you are upset right now, take three deep breaths and say, wow, I should have listened when he said push the plus. I mean, you told them to skip over a portion of your show. I did. I did. And so, there's, and there's you gave ample warning. There's nine more masked singers to be unveiled at some point. So... I, this, and I know them all. In order, they are. No, just kidding. It's. I love that show. I don't know how we've gone from talking baseball. I do know how we've gone because of th- God bless you, Eric Thames. I'm able to talk about the mass Singer on, on this. I love this show. I, you should watch it, Brad. All right. I'll get in. I'll, for you, I'll get in on your recommendation. But don't watch the first three because now you already know who, who those well, people are. Well, I'll watch were. them just to get like a – don't I need to understand the other competition? No. It's oh, okay. it's the stupidest show in the history of mankind. You're I don't know how smart you are, but I can tell you you're smart enough that you don't need to see the first three to have an idea of what's going on. Well, I want to get as ample an opportunity to guess who the other singers are. All right, fair enough. Well, then for that for that point, because they do like little clue vignettes for all the for all the singers, so you kind of stock away the uh, the different clues each week because you get a new video, so it's more clues on an every week basis. All right. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know where to go from here. Uh, let's <laughs> let's finish off with this. Uh, this is a really broad question, and I know you're going to have a great answer for it because you're you. Uh, it, throughout the entire off season, whether whether well, we talked a little bit of fall, so we'll take the fall league out of it. But for the, for the winter ball that has taken place, no matter where it took place, and just the different things that have happened over the course of the off season, has has there been any performance, especially for maybe a, a minor league guy, uh, that you've really taken note of, and it's has added to your excitement level for uh, what they are going to turn into? Uh, yes. And it's somewhat of an obscure one. Oh, okay. But it is Alex Hall in the uh, Australian Winter Ball League. Yeah. I told you. It's obscure. Um, He has done spectacular. So he's an 18-year-old catcher in the Brewer system. Played rookie ball this past year. Uh, One of two Australians uh, to be signed by the Brewers and had their debut in the rookie league uh, last season. Um, And he has looked really good so far. And, you know, Australia isn't really a place that teams go to sign uh, talent. So I've been watching uh, Hall pretty closely as things go on. Um, 
and he's done spectacular. I don't have his line in front of me, and I know it's been changed um, or been updated recently. Um, but just trust me, he's been playing spectacularly. He was hitting over 300. Um, and I think it was just amazing that the Brewers seem to be able to find these players out of nowhere. Uh, you know, no one else is regularly signing players in Australia, but here the Brewers are uh, getting regular talent or like new talent out of there uh here the brewers are and they seem to be consistently um getting players of value from hawaii a place where no one else seems to be touching um okay sorry he isn't hitting over 300 but he has an 821 ops or ops with five home runs in his 24 games uh he's about six years younger than everyone else in the league right now. Hmm. Um, he's looked really good. Um, and I've been enjoying his performance. So or keeping tabs on that performance so far, uh, so far, um, everyone else, eh, nothing that really like fires me up and gets me super excited. Um, since fall league and uh, the winter Venezuela league kind of calmed down. Uh, Troy Stokes had a pretty good appearance out there, which is something we kind of touched on. Um, otherwise, we touched on um, Keston Hero's amazing fall league. So nothing else. Two things real quick. A, quick question. Any comps with Dave Nilsson beyond being a catcher from Australia? No. Okay. Thing two. The Kyle Loebner piece, the interview he did with Troy Stokes, I assume you saw it. If you didn't, you should read it. That was really interesting to me to hear what he talked about, the way baseball is played there. It made me want to uh, go – I don't know if I want to go to Venezuela considering the uh, political climate, but just to experience that maybe in the Dominican Republic, I want to go experience that. I, I found that question and answer that uh, Kyle Loebner did with him to be very interesting. If you have no clue what I'm talking about, I think you probably do. Uh, you should read it. I think I have read it okay. uh, because I follow Troy Stokes closely. He is one of my favorite people in the Brewer system. Not player, people. Um, uh, he was like the first one to accept an interview invite with me. Um, well, Yamamoto was, but Troy Stokes was close behind. Uh, he has always been down to earth, very friendly. We interact somewhat regularly. Um and he's just a guy I've been rooting for. Then you should have um, done that. I should have been talking about your question and answer session with him. <laughs> uh, someone actually recommended that I do it, and at the time I was not able to. Uh, right. Someone had brought it up as an idea to me, and I um, passed on it. Ooh, Kyle so I'm not sure the got same it from person, you. Yeah, I'm not sure the same person then went forward with it because they said they were going to, and that's how you ended up doing it. Um but no, I'm happy it got done. I no, I am very fond of him. But the one thing I was going to say is, if you have not done so, take the time when it's being aired to watch Latin baseball be played in Latin countries, whether it's Hispanic countries like Mexico, whether it's the Dominican Republic, wherever you are watching it or wherever you get the chance, watch it. I think they watch and interact with baseball the way it should be. Um, 
everything's huge. The crowd is constantly into it, going wild. The players are allowed to show excitement, exuberance. Uh, they're a little disrespectful towards each other at times, but I think everyone knows it's in the passion of being competitive, the passion of wanting to make everyone excited to do something for the fans and the uh, cheering you on, your teammates cheering you on. Um, I wish American her uh this baseball in the states was played that way it is just so much fun is it the same quality as the stuff we see in the major leagues not necessarily but in terms of the passion that everyone taking part in it has i love it it is so fantastic and it's in uh, 15 years ago maybe 20 years ago probably 15 years ago would we ever think that in an nba game they're gonna be dropping in music samples you know while the ball is being brought up the court like that that would that's a foreign concept so as much as we might say oh that's never going to happen in major league baseball and quite honestly probably it will never happen in major league baseball never say never because again we see things happen in sports that you know we can say there's never going to be an automatic automated strike zone I bet 20 years from now, maybe less than that, there absolutely will be. I think we're on that path. I don't know how long it's going to take, but I absolutely do think we're on a path to an automated strike zone. I think there are going to be changes. It's different between kind of rule changes and the culture of the game, but it's interesting to think about what might happen moving forward, and especially as more Latin American players continue to play in the United States, what kind of impact the Latin American game can have on Major League Baseball, not just on the field, but in, in the way the game is consumed as well. Well, and I think you're already seeing some of it uh, with the you know huge burst of Latin players that have come in in the last decade. And baseball has always been, her for a long time, has been a sport where Latin players can come to America or the United States and get a uh, job playing baseball and show off their talent. But now that there's generally 10 or more Latin players of, or on a team, it seems like they're really being able to impact the culture and bring that passion to it. Um, you're seeing, can you, I mean, even... Five, eight years ago, a team coming out to celebrate a home run that wasn't a walk-off and just even waiting at the dugout for them would have been beam-worthy. Some player would have come out and beamed them. Um, you know Brian, oh God, what's his name? The catcher, the cranky catcher. Um, I think he's with the Astros. Brian McCann. Okay. You know Brian McCann would have been out there saying, like, you're having too much fun. Go sit down. And he would have put his cranky pants on and ruined the fun. But now, like, you can come out, you can run along the side of the fence and jump up and down for your teammate. So we're slowly seeing some of that already come over. And I, I love it. It's, I still want more of it. Yeah, I, I, if you're down 7-2 and you hit a solo home run in the ninth inning, I don't want to see celebration. But I think if, if, the, if a play matters and it happens, celebrate. I, when right. people get upset about bat flips in the postseason, are you kidding me? It's it's the Major League Baseball postseason. Bat flip the heck out of that bat. I mean, of course, like I, 
I want those players to care. And that you can't have that kind of emotion if you're not caring about what you're doing. And that's where I, I, there's always kind of a disconnect for me because I get the respecting the game, respecting the opponent. But the, the other side of it is wanting your players to care about the game and there can be a physical demonstration of caring for a baseball game. And this is something that people generally don't necessarily agree with me on. But we all watch baseball because it's a source of entertainment. I want it to be entertaining. And that positive or that ample amount of energy coming from my team, does it suck to watch when it's the other team? Absolutely. Yep. The, you know, Puig doing all his antics in the playoffs was something that didn't feel great. But at the same time, I recognize that he was just having fun and really excited he was helping his team win in Game 7 that would bring his team to the World Series. He better be excited, maybe a little bit more respectful to the fans because the fans aren't the players, but whatever. Um, no, I I am so on board with making it more entertaining. Is it the same as watching a movie? No, but that doesn't mean we can't add more entertaining aspects to it. And that passion is one of the things that entertains me the most. And I know a lot of other people feel the same way, whether even if they want to deny it a little bit initially, but yeah, it's a lot of fun and something I really uh, love and enjoy. He is uh, Brad Ford. You can read him at Brew Crew Ball. What What do you guys have? Uh, man, we're getting so close to the season. Take me through uh, what you're working on right now. Uh, what aren't we working on? So we currently uh, we're looking into kind of Garandal's potential impact for the Brewers as things come in. Uh, we're looking at the potential of uh, reuniting with some friendly free agents. We are. Currently, tomorrow morning, we'll be launching the 13th vote for the Brew Crew Ball Tapped Community Prospects. That will be Monday the 22nd. But we're going to 30, so you get to weigh in on them all. We're also doing little breakdowns of each of the prospects. So, um, And, of course, keeping things all up to date as On Deck comes up and we continue to preview the season and get a little bit more. So uh, we're working on a bunch right now. Those are a few of the ones I know for sure are coming out, but I know there will be more available because uh, we're always messaging about ideas and it's just about what ideas come to fruition. So there's definitely a lot of content you can get from uh, BCB. Who's working on the, if Derek Johnson was still the Brewers pitcher, Sonny Gray would be a Brewer uh, piece? Uh, no one officially yet, but if I had to guess, Kyle will have one out probably Wednesday because Kyle's pretty bitter that uh, <laughs> Sonny Gray isn't a Brewer. <laughs> All right, great stuff. I uh, encourage people to uh, follow you and, and read everything you've got going on at Twitter, uh, at Brew Crew Blue, also uh, on uh, Brew Crew Ball, brewcrewball.com. Brad, it's always, uh, it's always fun to talk, and uh, I'm sure we will talk again very, very soon. I'll be counting the days. Brad Ford from Brew Crew Ball joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. That's just about going to do it for the program. Do want to remind you one more time. Brewers on deck coming up on Sunday at the Wisconsin Center. If you're there, we'll have a big stage set up where uh, we do the radio show from, so you can come sit down and uh, watch what we've got going on. Introduce yourself. I'd love to meet you. If you can't make it out, if you don't have the tickets and want to listen on the radio, you can listen uh, on WTMJ. Of course, you can stream it online at WTMJ.com and through the WTMJ mobile app. That's it for this week's podcast. Thanks again to Brad Ford for joining us. We'll talk to you again next week for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile.
Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.